Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. My name is Marcusini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. As part of this series, we're connecting with PMMs all over the world about various product marketing topics. Today's guest is Allison Grenke, Director of Product Marketing at Lupio. Allison has spent more than a decade in the B2B marketing space, primarily in product marketing roles at fast-growing SaaS companies. A writer by nature, Allison believes that her career in product marketing is made up of a series of careful balancing acts, and she enjoys sharing the lessons she's learned along the way. After recently raising their Series A round of financing, Lupio is accelerating the development of their RFP response software. Designed to help streamline the way enterprises respond to RFPs, RFIs, and security questionnaires, Lupio is helping over a thousand well-known brands turn RFPs from a revenue blocker into their competitive advantage. All right, with that out of the way, let's get into it. Hey, Allison, how's it going? Hi, Mark. I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. So am I. Awesome. So let's just get right in. Uh, Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about you, your product marketing journey, and how you found yourself at Lupio? Yeah, sure. Uh, So I always say I fell into product marketing. Um, I've always been an avid reader, avid writer, um, which is really what led me to marketing in general. uh, Because back in high school, you know, I was sort of thinking to myself, okay, I'm kind of decent at this writing thing. I enjoy it. What is a practical way for me to use this skill to make a living? Um, And then when I discovered product marketing, I was really fresh out of school. Uh, I was just a marketing assistant at a company called Intellex. Uh, At the time, our head of marketing was starting to think about hiring for the company's very first product marketer. Uh, And I basically just threw up my hand and and said, me, me, pick me. Um, I invited her to a meeting. I remember I was very nervous. I laid out my best case for why I thought they should promote me into this role rather than going externally. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, But I learned on the job. As the organization grew, I was really lucky. I had more opportunities to sort of grow with them and learn. And then flash forward, you know, eight years or so, um, Lupio, I think, is the fifth B2B technology company that I've worked for. Uh, So I joined as Lupio's product marketing director uh, July of last year. So right in the middle of the pandemic, always a fun time to switch things up. Uh, It's been a little over a year now, I guess was not looking for a new role at the time, which is is always the story, right? But I remember seeing the job posted on LinkedIn. I had three former coworkers who were working at Lupio uh, and I knew they were all really happy. And I was kind of like, interesting. Um, That is by the way, the best way to find find a job, right? Like if you have great coworkers that you used to work with and they're happy somewhere, uh, odds are, are pretty good. It's a place you might also be happy. Um, so a, a former boss and mentor of mine, actually, it's funny. He used to say, uh, your network is your net worth. And that it's, it's a kind of a cheesy line, right? But it sticks with you. And it's funny. I definitely have found it's, it's really been very true for me, especially lately. Um, and so I did not apply for, for the job at Lupio. Um, my, my now boss actually reached out to and interviewed another former colleague of mine. She was really happy at the time. She, she was at Shopify. She's still at Shopify. Uh, but she messaged me and she said, hey, this guy seems kind of cool. Uh, he's got a vision. He knows what, what product marketing is all about. You should talk to him. Uh, and so I did. And, and that is how I ended up at Lupio. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. That's uh, quite an incredible journey. And I think one that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are either experienced themselves or or heard others describe. I think you kind of started talking about how you, like many others who find themselves in product marketing, had never saw themselves or even heard of of product marketing before starting in in the field and things kind of progressed really quickly. And, you know, you touched on so many great things there about that kind of experience and, and making that jump. 
I love that. I, yeah, I know you said it was cheesy, but I love that your network is your net worth. I think you're exactly right. And that's why I think communities like the, the PMA are so powerful because they allow you to expand your network and, and learn about opportunities that you otherwise wouldn't have. And I think you're exactly right. If, if you've got former colleagues at an organization that uh, are happy, then that's absolutely something that should be pursued further. So, um, you know, if, if others are in similar situations and they're looking for a jump or maybe even not looking for a new opportunity, but they've got colleagues elsewhere, uh, that's a great first place to start, it sounds like. Yeah, hundred percent. Got to got to keep those ties um, and, and keep those connections warm. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, you and I were both proud Canadian product marketers, uh, and typically when people think of product marketing, they think you know San Francisco, the Bay Area, the typical kind of tech hubs, as it were. Um, but with more and more Canadian companies hiring product marketers, do you think product marketing is having kind of like its own moment north of the border? <laughs> I think. I mean. This is such an interesting question and sort of an interesting observation wrapped up in that for so many reasons. Um, I will say, I mean, I've been super lucky in that I worked in Toronto for like the entirety of, of my product marketing career. And Toronto does have a thriving tech scene. Um, it's an industry that really does recognize the value of product marketing um, and does seek out product marketers, even sort of in those early stages of a company. Um, so I feel like I've been riding that wave for a while. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I, I would agree with you that, you know, now more than ever, I think there is a real awareness of and, and interest in product marketing, um, both as a career and as a valuable function sort of within an organization, I would say. Um, and so it is, it's hard to say if that is in fact specific to Canada uh, or if it transcends borders or if it's just very true of, of spaces where um, industries like tech are, are really thriving. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think, you know, where you start to see this emergence of tech companies or, you know, many tech sectors, there is that kind of natural progression towards, hey, we've got this new tech business. Let's start bringing in these new roles and product marketing. Fortunately enough for, for people like you and myself and our listeners, they tend to be one of those functions that gets brought on relatively early, let's say some, some companies a little bit lag behind others in terms of timing and bringing on product marketers. But I definitely agree. I, you know, I, I fortunately enough have joined a new org that, um, you know, can hire fully remotely now and they're no longer limited to their kind of local markets and, uh, coming from a smaller Canadian city myself. And I'm sure some of our listeners who find themselves in smaller cities, having the opportunity to kind of explore across the entire comp, uh, country, uh, and explore, uh, companies that they otherwise wouldn't have exposed to has opened up a lot of doors for, for people to explore roles that they wouldn't have otherwise considered, which is, I think, amazing. Absolutely. I think, you know, I do, I feel like I've gotten so many folks that are like reaching out and exploring more. So even in the past year, um, like over LinkedIn, definitely received more of those requests and taken more of those calls in the last year than ever before. It's awesome to see. Like, I love, you know, there's so much enthusiasm from people to break into this role now because it is, it's such a growing field and there's so much opportunity. And as I mentioned, you know, I fell into it completely by accident. So it's, it's really exciting to me that like now people are seeking this role out intentionally and looking to build a career in product marketing. Um, it is, it's fun to see how this function has grown. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, obviously the PMA has got uh, a variety of courses for those looking into break into, you know, the product marketing world to, to kind of level up their skills. But I think what we'll probably start to see over the next couple of years, if it hasn't started already at some, you know, larger um, education institutions is this kind of formalized adoption of product marketing as an area of learning that you could, you know, no longer you're just going to school to become, uh, like you mentioned, a writer or uh, get into advertising. It's like, no, I want to get into product marketing and this, you know, college or university offers a four-year course or program in, in product marketing. So I think that's kind of where you start to see it get officially legitimized and recognized is when those bigger institutions start to adopt those kinds of programs. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. It's a good observation. Um, be fun to see if that starts happening. 
yeah, fingers crossed for those looking to, uh, you know, maybe fresh out of high school, looking for programs to pick that could be an opportunity for them. Awesome. So, you know, I think uh, for a lot of product marketers, you know, whether they're just starting out or, you know, they've been in the role for a couple of years, the end goal is to either end up, uh, you know, as a CMO or director of product marketing, um, you know, and someone who's achieved that, that, uh, that status themselves. Can you help our listeners understand how you made the leap to the director level? Yeah, I mean, it is hard to look back on your own career and try to reverse engineer it somehow. Um, to a degree, I would say, I think some of it boils down to simply going for it. Um, you know, being willing to apply for a role that you haven't held before, throwing yourself into the deep end, trusting yourself to sort of uh, swim rather rather than sink. Um, I, I will lean into my previous answer probably a little bit and say that, that building a strong network has helped my career enormously um, to the point where I think 80% of the roles I've interviewed for in my career have, have been warm introductions or referrals of some kind. Um, when you have really great people who are willing to speak for you, that's worth its weight in gold. Um, and I think, you know, as, as product marketers, good product marketers certainly understand the power of, of social proof. Um, and that's something I've thought about a lot throughout my career. So, um, you know, I have LinkedIn recommendations from my former bosses, cross-departmentally from product managers I've worked with, salespeople I've worked with, um, and then more recently, people that I've, I've had the chance to mentor who have reported to me. Um, hiring managers, check out LinkedIn profiles, uh, and, and social proof is powerful. So I think that you're just missing something if, if you haven't taken that into account. Um, but I'll also say, you know, I think I was at Intellects for nearly five years. Um, and, and after that sort of initial introduction to product marketing, I moved around uh, a fair bit too. And I learned a lot from that, um, just being able to see different organizational cultures, uh, different ways of structuring teams, dividing responsibilities, um, how different teams tackle different problems together. All of that was super valuable in, in sort of me trying to build up my own knowledge of what works and what doesn't and how I want to do it um, so that I am able to, to bring an informed perspective to my role now. Uh, and I remember in the, you know, in, in the interview for, for my current position, them sort of asking, you know, this particular kind of a, a function, this activity sits under this role right now. Um, do you think it should sit under product marketing? And I was able to say, look, I've seen it done this way. I've seen it done that way. I have a really strong opinion you may or may not agree with, but but this is what it's based on. And I think that that being able to see different companies and, and tell different stories based on that has been really helpful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And there's two things you said that I really want to highlight there is one is, and it's a simple one, that LinkedIn recommendations feature is fantastic. And I often see it kind of go underutilized on a lot of people's profiles you know, if, if, if you've got a really good experience or working relationship with someone, absolutely reach out and ask for recommendation. I've done it. Like you said, you've done it numerous times, I'm sure. And, you know, having that social proof, like you said, same way you would, you know, uh, market your product or your service. Um, having that social proof is just going to help you kind of push it across the line in some situations. So couldn't agree more with you on that one. Um, I think the other thing that you said that, that I wanted to, to touch on briefly is, you know, my thing, as you're talking, I'm seeing some very sim similarities between our kind of career experiences. And I noticed that as well in going through your LinkedIn profile. And, you know, you talked about jumping around after that initial five-year stint um, yeah. at your first company. And I think, I think if you compare maybe our generation as, you know, millennials, or even as this new batch of Gen Zs enter the workforce. This elder millennials. I, yeah, I, I define myself as an elder millennial. <laughs> hey, they're all, they're all millennials. So, so um, <laughs> we're all, we're all part of the same group. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, I think our generation and the one behind us is going to be less hesitant to, to jump around as often as probably maybe our pre the previous generation has. Cause I remember in conversations, even with, you know, my father, who's someone that I personally go to for career advice from time to time is, Hey, this opportunity kind of came up unexpectedly, but I've only been at this organization for, you know, 12 months or maybe a year and a half. Like, should I be jumping so frequently and so often? And I think his initial reaction was, yeah, you can start to build a reputation. And I, I have heard that said, but I think what you're highlighting, and I, again, I agree with is don't be afraid to experience new things and don't worry about what that might look like on your LinkedIn profile or resume. As long as you can, I think, speak to how that's benefited you and your experiences and broadened your horizons. I would imagine most recruiters, especially in the tech space, are going to look potentially favorably on that and might actually see that as a positive and less of a negative, as, as I said, some previous generations uh, might. Would you, would you agree with that? Or do you think I'm way off base? No, I, I would, for the most part, agree with you. And I would say it's something, frankly, I've also kind of struggled with or thought a lot about myself um, because you do want to be able to tell a, a good story about your career and why you've made the decisions that you've made. Um, it, you know, so my friend said to me, there was a time when I was considering making a move and I felt like I was moving a little too soon. Um, and she just looked at me and, and she said, people are going to judge you no matter what you do. Right. You might as well be happy. Yeah. Do what feels good. Do what you feel you need to do. Um, and I mean, that sounds super oversimplified. Sometimes it's not that easy, uh, but sometimes it is that easy. Um, and you know, it's also, it's kind of like dating too. If you, if you date a couple people, you get to know what you like and what you don't like, yeah. you figure out your list of non-negotiables pretty quick. And then, you know, when you found something, that's a really good thing. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. That's, I think that's a perfect analogy and, and some advice I'm sure our listeners will appreciate, especially as maybe they're being confronted by these new opportunities, as we just talked about, you know, with this new um, hybrid or remote work approach with, with companies that maybe being a little bit more proactive about link, reaching out on LinkedIn or kind of being a little bit more aggressive in, in their acquisition tactics, let's say. And, and, you know, sometimes you have to, like you said, play the field a little bit before you find the person or the company that's right for that long-term commitment. So, so I will, I will. Yeah. I'll give a caveat though. And I will say there was a moment, there was a time in my career where I thought I had to take every interview, every, mm. every person who reached out my way, I thought, okay, I don't want to, don't want to leave any door sort of unopened. I was afraid of missing opportunities. And I do think that I've also gotten to a place where I, I am confident and I can say, no, I'm, I'm real happy where I am. Um, I don't need to open that door. I don't need to, to explore that opportunity because I'm good with what I've got. Um, but I also, I think that you get there from taking those calls initially and, and from realizing what, what you're looking for in a, a job and a career. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I'm going to move on to our kind of our next set of questions. And, you know, you, when you and I were setting up our chat for today, you mentioned this concept that I think perfectly encapsulates the life of a product marketer, and that's constantly living a professional balancing act. Um, can you tell the listeners why you feel that's the case? Yeah. So, you know, I think one of my very favorite things about product marketing is also one of my least favorite things. Uh, and that's just the sheer variety and volume of departments and tasks that we get to have our hands in. Um, I love it and I hate it at the same time. Um, so yeah, product marketers have to balance a lot of, a lot of competing activities, a lot of stakeholder interests, a lot of strategic priorities. Sometimes they align, sometimes they do not. Um, and it's what makes our role, I think, really exciting and engaging. But truthfully, it's also what can make the role feel overwhelming at times um, if, if you let it, if you don't kind of rein it in. Um, 
And I think, you know, when it comes to balance, I will come right out and say, I think that true balance is almost a complete myth. Um, if you have four priorities, you cannot give everything 25%. Um, some things require 80% of your time and effort for a period. And that means the other things get 20% for a while. And then when you come up for air after delivering that big, you know, project that took up so much of your time, you have to find a way to, to rebalance and to find your group again. So you're always going to have moments when you're off balance. Um, and I think the importance is kind of like being able to bounce back understand what balance looks like um, for you and your department, being able to take stock and, and course correct when, when you need to. That's awesome. And, and what would you say are some of those kind of fine lines that either you've had to walk in your career as a product marketer or that you've maybe witnessed other product marketers have to watch just in that act of balancing things? There's definitely a lot of really interesting balancing acts that are baked just right into the, the role of product marketing. Um, I, I am part of the marketing team at Lupio. Product marketing often reports into marketing. Um, but at the same time, we get to cross over uh, those departmental lines really often and, and sort of nurturing and balancing all those different relationships across departments, I think is something I've found myself being a lot more intentional um, with as my career has progressed. Um, you know, we work with so many different people I, th I think most product marketers, really good product marketers, understand how important those relationships can be. Um, even just forging those relationships in a pandemic and remote world, I will say, is a whole other interesting um, fine line to try to walk when everybody is overwhelmed by, by all the Zoom calls, um, all the coffee chats. Um, but those relationships are so critical. And I do find, I've found in myself, um, most people have a natural inclination to feel like very comfortable in certain domains um, and with specific, you know, certain types of people. So, you know, you might be really drawn to voice of the customer activities and you might love spending time working with the customer success team. And that is great. Um, but I think it can be really important to, to recognize that within yourself and almost call it out as a bias you may have. Um, pay attention to whether you're creating an imbalance where you're spending more time with customer success than with sales, for instance. Um, there's also a world where, you know, the squeaky wheel can get all of your attention if you're not careful. So that's another way imbalance can occur. But I would say, I mean, this is a very type A thing of me, but I usually sort of formally map out my key stakeholder groups and go-to people within those departments. It's something I start doing as soon as I find myself in a new role. Once I've kind of got the lay of the land, I try to take stock of, of like where I'm at with each of those people, each of those departments on some sort of a regular basis. At the very beginning, it might be like every couple of weeks, might get to a place where it's like once a month or quarterly, but it's just a mental check-in. Like when was the last time I talked with this really important person on the sales team? When was the last time that like I had a one-on-one -on -one with the, the director of product management? Um, that just like that regular making sure that you're not falling out of touch with key people and key stakeholders, that's an important balancing act, I find, because we all kind of have our, our natural inclinations to go with with certain people or certain topics. Yeah, I think that's such an incredibly smart observation, that idea of you you work with departments and you do a variety of, of activities with them and you tend to naturally, as you said, kind of lean towards one that's that you're interested in that you enjoy. But I've never heard it described as potentially developing a bias. And I think that's important for other product marketers to acknowledge that, you know, by by leaning in and developing that bias, you might 
actually be putting some blind spots on some areas that really should require your attention or, or might help you further develop skills that you otherwise would have left kind of on the wayside. So I think it's really important that, you know, product marketers kind of acknowledge that some of those biases can arise and be proactive, as you say, about addressing them. And I really love this other concept that you brought up of, you know, with, especially with internal stakeholders, you know, product marketers, we often get approached to do a lot of stuff and we're asked to do a lot of different things by a lot of different teams, but in order to maintain a positive relationship, it's better to interact with someone, not always when they're asking you for something or when you're working on a project, maybe just having these separate one-on-ones or kind of just coffee chats, even though we probably are all sick of coffee chats at this point. Um, but just to maintain that kind of human element, because I, because even I've experienced in my career, and I'm sure maybe you felt the same way, um, where you just kind of become an order taker at times. And the person that you're working with no longer becomes you know, another human being on the other side of the screen or the other side of the table, if we're, we're face to face, um, they just become someone who's giving you requests. And it really, it, over time, I think can negatively impact that, that um, relationship, especially if they're coming to you at a time when you're already busy, you've already got a thousand requests. You can almost look to them and say, don't you already know how much I'm already doing? Like you're going to come with me with another request. So perhaps having that kind of regular one-on-one interaction outside of those kind of request conversations would, would definitely help maintain yeah. that healthy relationship. Yeah, I would say it does not have to be a half hour coffee chat either. Sometimes it's just a well-timed gif. Um, right. That yeah. you, you know, you know, the know the people's favorite favorite TV shows, send them their office memes, all, all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. But truly just just connecting with people on a on a personal level, I think is hugely important. We as product marketers have to ask a lot of other people for things too. Um, you know, as much as we're getting asked stuff, I could not do my job without, you know, the insights and the feedback and, and all of that good stuff from other people across the, the company. Um, so if I'm asking them for stuff um, and they're asking me for stuff, uh, it definitely, it, it helps to also know the person kind of underneath that. Yeah. agreed. Couldn't agree more. So it kind of leads nicely into my next question here. And, you know, we were talking just now about, being asked to do a lot by a lot of different teams and constantly being you know, approached by different members of the organization to do various things or maybe join on similar projects. And sometimes that can feel like a lot. Sometimes it can be overwhelming. So oftentimes we're getting asked to do too much. So I wonder what advice you would have for product marketers who find themselves in a similar uh, position. Yeah, I think, I mean, first of all, I would say I know that problem very well myself. Uh, I've often been a solo product marketer um, or I've been a product marketer on a really small team of product marketers. Um, Most of the companies I've worked for have been under 500 employees. So we're all trying to do a lot um, as as a small team. Um, And honestly, I think there are a few different ways I could answer this question. For starters, it really is just helpful to have clearly defined objectives in your roles and to use those clearly defined objectives to sort of guide the projects you take on and the ones you say not now to. Um, At Lupio, we have OKRs, so that's objectives and and key results, and I use those uh, as a North Star. And so if your company or your boss are not asking you to go through that sort of objective setting exercise, I would strongly encourage you to take that on yourself and then to show that to your boss and ask them to provide feedback and sign off on those objectives, because then you can come to them waving that that piece of paper later on when they're asking you to do something else and say like, yes, yes, that sounds great. Um, But what about these other things that that we already agreed upon? Um, Because something's got to give here. I think... I've always tried to practice candor with my bosses and and have honest conversations with them about my own capacity as well as the capacity of my team. 
And if you're lucky, then your boss will back you up um, when you say that, you know, you need to say no to something. Frankly, that's that's part of their job. Um, and, and if you can't say no to something, you know, if it doesn't make sense to say no to something, then you can offer a recommendation as to what other priorities is going to drop off of your list. And I think that's an important concept that people need to build into their repertoire. You know, there's a rule some people try to follow with shopping where they say, you know, if, if in order to add something to their wardrobe, they first need to get rid of something. I feel like your active projects list should be exactly like that. If you need to add something, you have to drop something else, at least for a little while um, and, and make that a rule. You know, you've got your your top five that you've got on the go. You cannot do more than five projects at once. Five projects is already a lot. Um, and you drop something if you need to take something else on. Uh, and, and frankly, I would say, you know, one of my favorite responses is just to say, I love this idea, um, but I've got a few too many things on my plate right now to commit to this at the moment. Uh, it just says it, it sounds better than saying no. Um, but then it also sets expectations, right? You cannot say yes to everything and then try to figure it out later. You will burn yourself out. Um, and then I guess, you know, depending on, on what the request is, I might gently nudge them to consider whether they might start on it themselves um, or, or ask them to book some time in my calendar to follow it up on it later if, if it's an idea that we do want to pursue. Um, but I think it's boundary setting, all of those different things that I just said comes back to boundary setting um, and thinking strategically about what you as a product marketer are uniquely able to offer the company because we get asked to do a lot of things that other departments could do, um, but it might make sense for us to do it, but are we the best people to do it? And is that the best way that we're gonna add value to the company at this specific moment in time? Because sometimes yeah. it's a great idea, but it's not the best idea for us to take on right at that moment in time. Yeah, I was just going to say, right idea, just not maybe the right person or even the right time. Just like we were talking earlier about, you know, different job opportunities. Sometimes the timing just doesn't work out um, and your capacities just doesn't line up the way that you want it to. And unfortunately, to your point, you know, love the idea, but maybe we'll do this another time or maybe someone else can support you with that. And I love your your wardrobe analogy, the kind of like the one in, one out. So if, you're, if your closet's getting a little crowded, that's probably a good indicator that you've probably taken on too much. And maybe- Yeah, don't buy more hangers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the, the analogy just, just lends itself so well. That's perfect. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to have to use that. I think if we want to stretch this further, I think the hangers are hours in your day. Don't, don't work till 9 p.m. Don't buy more hangers. Um, one thing in, one thing out. Love it. I love it. Advice, product marketers, and I think your average person should probably take to heart. So thank you for that. Um, so yeah, on that kind of topic of being asked to do many, to do too many things, sometimes, you know, product marketers are often required to influence, you know, many, sometimes too many metrics. Um, you know, the funny thing is though, is we don't often get to own many of them, if any of them at all. Um, so how do you think product marketers can navigate this contradiction? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we do, we influence so much, um, but we are the sole owners of very little, um, and I would say, I think I've done two things to try to help myself in this area. Um, to start with, it, it's always really helpful to just carve out a couple of metrics or successes that you can point to and say, look, I did that. Our product marketing team did that. Um, so when it comes to sort of those OKRs I mentioned previously, I do try to take on some more project-based OKRs that I know are within my control. Uh, and then for those larger metrics that we're trying to, to nudge forward, I do lay out clear steps we're taking to move the needle. Um, but of course, always acknowledging 
some things are, are beyond our control. Sometimes the needle moves in the right direction and, and we could say we, we had something to do with it. Sometimes it moves in the wrong direction and we hope we didn't have something to do with it. Um, but the reality, and, and I think the second thing that I've done is I've just leaned into the, the fact that moving the needle on a lot of our key metrics is a team effort. Um, it's always going to be a team effort. And there's a little bit of of discomfort in, in that to not be able to, to own it and, and to say, this is what I've done, which is why I try to do that first piece as well. But if you lean in hard and you recognize everyone who has contributed to those metrics, I think that you also create a really good sense of people being in it together and, and people are just as willing to, you know, recognize you back and it becomes a helpful dynamic where people aren't trying to claim ownership of, of successes and metrics, but are instead all working together towards those, those successes and those metrics. So I think just shifting mindset is, is sometimes a big piece of that as well. Yeah. I think that's a great perspective to have. It's less about like you said, owning specific metrics and being able to say, Hey, this is mine hands off. I'm going to be contributing to this and more of, Hey, these are the metrics that product marketing can positively, hopefully influence. Um, and that the product marketing team, maybe we don't, you know, take full ownership of this, of this specific or, or these metrics. Um, but at least we can say that these are the things that we're doing that are going to move to your point, the needle in the right direction. So that there is that sense of maybe not full ownership, but some kind of ownership. Cause the more I think we as product marketers can oh, and I'm using air quotes in this audio podcast. We know this play very well uh, for for our listeners, but you know, own in the sense of we are helping to move this in the right direction. That that is just kind of redefining your your concept of what owning truly means, and having it less be of this notion of hey, like these are the A B C D things that I do, and I'm the only one positively contributing. It's it's more this is a team. This is a team sport. We all need to work towards. Uh, you know, moving these in the right direction together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, this is my, my last question here, Allison. So I'll, I'll, I'll ask it and then uh, let you go uh, for the day here. So, you know, this is, like I said, the last question is when I ask all of our guests on the show, uh, what advice or tips would you have for people looking to get into or building their career in product marketing? Yes, it's funny, you know, we talked about product marketing having a moment earlier, uh, and I really do, I feel like I've been answering this specific question a lot lately um, from people on LinkedIn, and which is is really great. It's fun. I love it. Um, I will say first and foremost, what I typically say to everyone who asks, um, plug for, for Product Marketing Association. Um, yeah, take, take a look at, at the PMA's free resources, join the PMA Slack group. If you can take the PMA certification course, even better. Um, and I say that for a couple reasons. Um, first and foremost, you, you get a sense of the nitty gritty, kind of like day to day of what it's like to be a product marketer. So you can go in with your eyes wide open, unlike me. Um, and you'll know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, but also, if, if you like what you see, sort of that next most important thing is being able to get yourself to a place where you can really talk the talk and and exposing yourself to that PMA content and to product marketers within the PMA community, you're essentially just absorbing as much as you can through osmosis. Um, And and I think too, if you are a solo product marketer at a company, that that piece is really important. That talking the talk piece might not be something that you just pick up in your organization because you're the only product marketer. Um, so that community piece is really powerful. Um, and then, you know, if you're looking to get into product marketing, odds are 
are pretty good that you're going to be applying for and interviewing for, for a product marketing role at some point. So I think the final thing I would say there is, is really just focusing on positioning yourself as someone who would be a great product marketer. Um, for those folks who don't have product marketing experience and it's like, how do I, you know, it's always like one to three years of experience or whatever it is. I will say I've recently been interviewing candidates for a new product marketing position at Lupio. Not everyone who applied had direct experience in product marketing. Uh, in fact, a lot of strong candidates came in sort of with more general marketing experience or even product management experience. Um, and what the candidates that stood out did is they really called out transferable skills that they, they'd honed within their previous roles that would translate to product marketing, any responsibilities they held that had some sort of crossover with product marketing. And then they highlighted those things you know, in their resume, in their cover letter, in their interviews. Um, and they, they showed a real understanding of what product marketing is and an enthusiasm for learning more. And I think that... Um, you know, it's it's a it's an area, it's a, it's an industry where there are a lot of opportunities right now, and there are actually, from my experience, anyway, I would say there's there's a limited number of of candidates in in the sort of interviewing pool right now. I think that there's actually perhaps more job opportunities than there are product marketers. So if you can position yourself well, you know, there are a lot of skills you can train for, um, and and competency and, and confidence definitely develops over time. You cannot train for attitude and enthusiasm. So so show that in in the interview. Show eagerness to learn. Um, and I think that that's all you got to do that that's going to make, make a really big difference. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm sure our listeners really appreciate that, that insight that you're kind of giving them around, you know, just because you're coming into the interview without having product marketing on your resume or having product marketing in your current title, doesn't mean you can't identify some of those transferable skills that you've maybe developed in previous roles, or even just throughout your, you know, maybe undergraduate or, or, you know, part-time job experience in the summer. There's a lot of skills that I think people take for granted um, that really can be fostered in a kind of almost any role that really do you favors in product marketing. Um, you know, having empathy and working collaboratively with people, collaboratively, excuse me, with people who are on the same team as you or who might have varying um, kind of objectives to yours. Um, being a strong communicator, you know, you talked at the very beginning of our conversation around, you know, having really strong uh, writing skills and going to school for writing. And writing is such a critical skill as a product marketer that um, you don't necessarily have to learn on the job, right? You can read books, take courses, um, or just practice um, and become a better writer. And those are all skills that, like I said, you can kind of transfer into a product marketing role without having that experience. And, you know, I think, you know, you we were talking earlier about product marketing having this moment in, in Canada, but even just, you know, more generally uh, in the tech space, I think as these companies grow and look to bring on more and more product marketers, hopefully there's going to be a desire and a need for more junior product marketers who are coming in with, you know, zero to one years of experience to help supplement a larger product marketing team and take on some more of those kind of tactical level um, deliverables that product marketers at a more senior level might get pulled away from so that they can focus on the strategy side of things. So I think over time, as product marketing becomes more and more prominent, that there are going to be opportunities for more junior people to just get their foot in the door and get started and get a taste of product marketing so they can either develop and grow internally or look to make the jump to a more senior position elsewhere. So um, I think we both kind of agree that now is a better, best time. Um, there's, there's really been a, a better time to get into product marketing. So I'm sure the advice you just shared will definitely be a very valuable to a lot of our listeners. So thank you for that. Yeah, I hope so. Encouraging the next generation. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Building the opportunities for the ones coming in behind us. That's what it's all about. 
Awesome. Well, as I said, that was my last question uh, for you. Thanks so much, Allison, for your time today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's always great to chat with a fellow uh, Canadian product marketer and, and you know, <laughs> chat all things um, product marketing that's happening north of the border. So I, I've enjoyed that so much. Um, you know, if any of our listeners want to connect, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, I, I am on LinkedIn. I am the only Allison Granke in the whole wide world. So if you spell it right in the podcast notes, then they should be able to find me. <laughs> Right on. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll have some people reaching out to ask you um, questions, maybe uh, fashion related on some on some clothes. On <laughs> oh some, goodness. Uh, okay. No. I'm, if, we, if I have at any point positioned myself as a fashion <laughs> expert, I am so sorry, and I take it back. <laughs> maybe I'm just overextending that uh, fashion analogy we used earlier about the closet. So no, I, I, think, I, I will position myself as a good closet organizer. That is what there I we will go. Position if need, myself. <laughs> if you need good or a closet closet organization <laughs> tips, or or even just help with understanding when it's okay to say no. to to, uh, to request, I think, Allison, uh, And that, among many other things, is a great resource. So absolutely reach out. So with that, uh, I'll let you go. Thanks so much for your time, Allison. I hope you have a great one. Yeah, thanks so much, Mark. I really, really enjoyed our conversation as well. Likewise. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are.